Welcome to the Film Gods podcast, everyone. This episode, I want to let you know about a great man who is feeding our doctors and nurses. Philip Juma, head chef and founder of Juma Kitchen, didn't want to put his incredible skills of making delicious food, and I've tasted it, it's amazing, to waste during lockdown. So when Borough Market closed its doors, he took it upon himself to feed our NHS staff. He's single-handedly making hundreds of meals for them every week. And if you want to help feed our heroes, go to Juma kitchen.com yeah i'm saying it again that's jumakitchen.com and donate let's clap them on the thursday and feed them on a friday massive love and respect going out for juma kitchen let's get started hola film family i'm isusko your host aka the time scheduler Welcome to the Film Gods podcast, which is a chat with the best of the UK film crew who make all of those beautiful moving images you watch every day. I want to give a special thanks to Island Studios for the recording space. Thank you, Mark, Mitch, Pauline and the whole team. And wherever you're listening, I hope you enjoy. Big love. So, hi, film family. Um, it's all about UK film crew on set, but the more that I'm doing this, the more that I kind of feel like I should just do a big wider range of of all the processes. So um, today we're going to go post-production, um, The Dark Arts. I tried it. I had no idea what I was doing. I thought I was good at it, but it turned out that I'm clueless. Um, so I'm just going to jump straight in. Um, what is your name and what do you do? Okay. Uh, thanks for inviting me. Um, my name's Anne Perry, but everyone calls me Annie. Um, and I'm a film editor. So I cut commercials, um, cut a feature documentary, music videos, short films, uh, pretty much anything I get my hands on. Nice. And what does that what does that process look like for you then? What is it? What does being an editor mean to you? Uh, well, I guess primarily editing is all about storytelling. So it's about putting certain scenes together and making a really great story out of footage that's being shot. Um, yeah, great storytelling. Editing is all about that. That's what okay. I think. Yeah. Have you ever, did you have a, was there like a, a, a natural, did you always just love storytelling or was it something that you kind of went, oh, I want to be a film director and you go, well, actually, I want to be an editor. What was your route in? How do you, how do you become a film editor? Well, it's really interesting. Uh, so when I was 15, I was in media studies at school and they taught us, they wanted us to make some sort of like newsreel. And so we got given like two VHS decks and that sort of was the first way that I nice. started to learn how to edit. And I was like, what is this? This is amazing. And I had no idea what it was. Yeah. And then I just sort of had a natural flair for it. And I started loving like cutting things together, like really basic stuff. And then I just got, I don't know, I just got obsessed with like, I was always obsessed with films growing up. Like, watching films because my dad was like uh really you know got us kids into films really early on yeah. um so i just was he, in, was he in film or did, did he just love no he was an engineer um nice. but he just loved uh cinema and so i remember like watching never ending story when i was eight years old wow. uh and just thinking this is the best thing ever yeah. and even revisiting that film now and seeing the, the special effects. They are really like lo-fi, but they're fantastic. They're still, like, still great. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, just, I don't know. I just thought that's sort of how I started getting into it. And then as I got older, I was like, what do I want to do when I leave high school? And I just thought, you know what? 
I'm going to go to film school. I'm going to like do something creative. So yeah, I got into uh, an art school uh, in Australia. That's where I'm from originally. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it started, uh, went to a university that taught me how to splice film using a moviola, um, did black and white photography, sound design, everything. It was like a mixture of different mixed media. Post-production or did you go out and write scripts and shoot your stuff and all the rest of it as well? It was more of a, so it was all based around exhibition and galleries. So we learned how to do uh, mixed media and exhibit our work. So I was cutting on Avid and Final Cut Pro and making video installations. That's what I majored in was video installation. Hmm. So I thought that's sort of what I wanted to do. Um, but then I sort of realized that you can't make money exhibiting no. <laughs> video installation. No, no, no. But that's sort of where I learned all my skills is, yeah, because um, yeah, I remember in, it was 1999 when Final Cut Pro came out and that's when I was studying. And, I, you know, I started cutting all my video installation work uh, on that program and I just started becoming better and better with, you know, my editing skills because that's all I was doing in and out. Um, so it was really interesting. But, yeah, so once I... Uh, left university i was like well i'm not going to be able to do video installation because i can't make a living out of this yeah. it was very hard and the were and the people that were actually successful in it like nam june pike um and bruce nauman there was all these amazing video installation artists that i i loved they um you know i couldn't reach that level it was just too difficult and but but i ended up learning so many you know skills mm. um because I was constantly cutting films, uh, whether and shooting my own stuff, yeah. Um, but yeah, so then I made the journey over to London when I was about, I think I was 23 when I moved to London. Um, and I've been here now for almost 16 years. I think 16, yeah. And um, what was that yeah. like? Scary? Did you have a contact in? Were you just like, fuck it, I'm, no. going, I'm on a plane, I'm going, I'm living the dream? No contact whatsoever. I was just like, I'm just going to move to London. I don't even know why London. I was, I thought, <laughs> I thought like maybe go to New York yeah. and try that. But because I didn't have a visa, yeah. my journey took me to London. Yeah. So that's sort of why I moved here. And I thought, well, the industry's over here. So I'm just going to like, I, I had my showreel and I was like, yeah, I'm just going to like have my video installation showreel that I had put together. What was it uh, on a DVD or a, what? It was on a DVD. Yeah, it was on nice. a DVD. Yeah. So I had like, you know, all these like video installation, like um, edits all sitting on this DVD. And I thought, yeah, I'm going to come to London and I'm going to be like an editor straight off the back. And it didn't turn out that way. <laughs> <laughs> so what, what, how does that... How, how does it work where if, you know, for film students, for media students that want to yeah. get the post, you know, do you cut your own stuff and then fire it out to people? How did you get in? What was your story? So, okay. So my story is really tricky. Well, not tricky. It was really, it was interesting. So I got here mm -hmm. in a month, like I was hanging out with friends, doing my own thing. And then I was like, right. I knew about this book called the knowledge before I came to yep. uh, London went through the knowledge the very first page i turned to was academy films which is a production company in london yeah very very successful one that's been around for years and still um going strong i basically walked in off the street with a cv <laughs> and they happened to hire me 
straight away because they were looking for, they were first looking for a receptionist. Yep. And then, so I basically got in that way. So I was nice. a receptionist for like, I think I was a receptionist for like, oh, I think it was only a couple of months and I realized how bad I was. And then um, <laughs> they, needed, they needed to find a runner yeah. and they had, um, they were like, would you want to move up? to being a runner at our company. And I was like, absolutely. Because the runners at a production house, you work very closely with directors. Mm. You're doing, you're cutting their mood reels for jobs that they're pitching on. Um, Did they so know I, that you had your, your editing background when they took yeah, you on? Or was yeah. that a little secret that you kept? No, they knew, okay. they knew. So, cause I, I, I said, you know, I want to get into editing. They're like, oh, you know, you could do that as a runner, like working with the directors and, cutting mood reels and you could build like a real being here. Nice. But it wasn't an editing company, but yeah, yeah. It, it doesn't matter. I feel like it, I mean, I met so many great people. I got to work with uh, Lynn Ramsey when she joined Academy. I worked with Jonathan Glazer. I worked with Nick Gordon, Walter Stern, all yeah, these incredible yeah. people. And I was 23 and I was, you know, I didn't work on their professional work, but I was cutting mood reels for them and mm. learning about them. And it, it was the best sort of foundation for, for me and it, a good introduction actually into the industry. It kind of like taught me about uh, how a production company works, uh, what they do in order to get the actual job. Mm -hmm. And it also helped me with my editing skills. And I learned a lot about what they were working on because I had no idea what Academy Films did. Mm. I was coming from Australia, from Melbourne. I was like, yeah. this seems good. Uh, so yeah, it was, <laughs> it was so weird. Wow. Uh, it was a good introduction to the industry, that's for sure. And yeah. what, what did that, you know, cause I guess most film students that are thinking, I want to be an editor, their first thought might have not been production company. You know, yeah. they're just like, I've just got to get into this company or that company cause they're post-production, but that route in do you feel like that gave you a little bit of an edge when you went into post because you're like well i know this producer and i know that director and i've worked in this company and I, you know I, I get that process yeah it certainly helped me when i moved to uh the editing company because i had some the directors that i worked with at academy doing their mood reels and things th they basically helped me get into uh, a company called the quarry which is where i did all my experience as an assistant Mm -hmm. and an editor um and it certainly it helped me build a reel i had so many contacts that um at the production company at academy that i i ended up working with this uh, a director from there who was a researcher and then wow. he went on to being a director mm -hmm. um and then we sort of grew together when i was an editor and he became nice. a director and it was such a so it was all these little um things that helped me kind of uh, you know, create showreel and, yeah. and, and yeah. And I think they also found it. I think the quarry also found it like, yeah, um, quite interesting that I went down that route too. Like, yeah, it, it brought, it, it definitely brought me work. And it, it also, when you go to these industry parties and you meet, see people that you used to work with in the yeah, past, yeah. yeah, it's just like a really nice little family that you used to have a bond with before you became who you, want to be in the industry yeah um so yeah it was it was definitely um i wouldn't do that like it, it was great looking back on it but if i could do it again i probably would have gone go straight to an editing 
Oh, wow. House. Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But it, it certainly did um, inform like what I, I do now. Like it was, it wasn't a waste of time, but yeah, it was, it was interesting. It was did it interesting. feel like it, it helped you kind of, and this is just me gauging, but it's like mm. if you turn up at a production company and you've got um, a showreel that is very film student, artsy, that kind of stuff. You know, most post houses go, well, that doesn't bring us money. You go to a production company, your showreel then shows commercials and things that are financially viable for them to go, okay, yeah, come on, you know, yeah. you're going you're gonna to bring us money. Is, is, was that a, did that help at all? Did having a different showreel or different pieces of showreel? I think what happened was I thought, oh, great, I've got this showreel full of like great stuff. And I thought that that showreel was going to just, you know, help me move up. But what oh. actually, what actually, I mean, the reality is, is, just getting your foot through that door and being a runner and really building your contacts that way within the company that you're working in and showing people your skills. When you're a runner, you really have to show the company that you're working for that you've got that drive and that ambition. And you always have to have side projects. It doesn't matter if it's like a high end, whatever it is. Mm. It's just that you're on the machines, you're cutting yeah. and this or you're showing an interest. And that's sort of how you move up. They don't really, unless I had, no one saw my show rule. That's the, that's the, the reality. <laughs> yeah. I guess I didn't have the confidence to show people because once I started working at a production company like Academy and you're working with people like Jonathan Glaze and all these people, you know, showing them a, a show rule that I did when I was at university I don't, yeah, it just, I just didn't yeah, feel yeah. it was right at the time. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, but going into the quarry, uh, as a, like I had to basically start from scratch again because mm -hmm. they didn't hire me as an assistant because back then being an assistant editor was very, very, it was like a solid job. No one would leave that position. Right. So there was never an opening. Yeah. Yeah. It was only until somebody like decided to move to a different company or, mm they had a transition, but it, you know, nowadays in post houses, there's a lot of freelance assistance because mm. <clears throat> you can earn a little bit uh, more money and people want to be a bit more flexible. Um, but back then when I was an assistant, it was very, it was all like, um, it was, no one wanted to leave that job. You know, it was like, <laughs> the golden egg. Hard, yeah, yeah, it was, yeah. it was a hard job to get. Really, yeah. really, well, let's, really let's talk about, let's say, <laughs> having no real knowledge of a post house, what is the, not hierarchy, but what, what is the, what's the structure then for a, uh, a post house or your editing department? How does it work? Is, you know, if you've got HODs, if you've got assistants, yeah, so how does it work? So you've got, you, you've got, normally you've got like two runners that, and this is what I had no idea about post running is you have to serve breakfast, lunch and dinner which I, I was like, what? <laughs> but I'm you not know, a chef. Yeah, oh, it, yeah. Was it, it, it threw me off. Because in a production company, you're just like doing the mail, you're doing your editing, mm. you're like getting things for people, but you're not really getting their lunch and breakfast and dinner. It was, it was never like that. But in a production, uh, in a post house, you, you've got two runners. Um, you've got, I think there was like four or five assistants and the assistants have uh, two editors that they normally look after. Mm -hmm. And the assistants, I mean, are pretty much key. They're like managing the whole 
the whole job for the editor to make it as smooth as possible. So they're, um, they're getting the footage, the rushes, they're breaking it down for the editor, they're getting sound effects, they're getting the music, they're getting everything organized for the editor to do their job, to cut the whole, whatever it is, nice. whether it's a commercial, yeah, or a film or whatever. Um, then you've got your producers uh, who are managing all the directors, uh, the editors' uh, schedules. So, yeah, I mean, it's quite a busy place. I mean, when, when I was an assistant, it was all beta SPs, do you know? Every, no. everyone, was sh- everyone was shooting on film. Okay. Yeah, yeah, we were shooting on 35. Yeah, 35 yeah. mil. This is before digital. They were shooting on film and then transferring on to beta SP. So I would have to, like, fight for a room... <laughs> And to, to, to get a room and log log each take before the editor would come in. And, so how and, did the process work when it was filmed? It was like so you put it on to beta SP, cut up the beta SP, and then t- take that to the. Or how did I don't, I don't actually so, know the, the process. Oh, yeah, all so I, all what, I knew growing up was just like I had a massive box full of the rushes, and I had to get <laughs> to, I had to get to Mid Street. Before midnight, that was it. That, that, that was that's as far okay. as my post knowledge went. It was like, here's all this stuff, and they're like, oh, cool. and it's just driving home at like one in the morning. Yeah, that was Bas- that's it. That's that's what post means to me. Well, basically, from Mead Street, yeah. I would get up at like I'd be there at like seven in the morning, go to Mead Street. They would have tra- they would have developed the film overnight, yeah. then transferred it digitally onto beta SP tapes. Mm-hmm. I would then go there, collect these huge tapes, beta SP tapes, go into the edit suite, then put the tape into a, a beta SP player and then literally open up the Avid, which is what we, you know, edit with, and we would log each take. So you, you get the slate, clap. Hours. That's like our, everything would, that we've shot. You had to everything. watch everything. Everything and we'd have to do an in and out point. Yeah, an in and out point. But you know what? It was amazing because back then everybody it was on film, so you had to be really precise about things. And you know, film is very expensive, whereas now people are just learning the camera roll. Yeah. And which is a positive and a negative. Um, but yeah, just log going back on the beta SP, you just have to log every single take and you had to do it in setups too. So it was a long process, but you know, you learned a lot and you, it was like sort of um, how I learned how to kind of see what is a good take, what's a bad take, because you're watching the whole thing. And you'd you do that as an assistant editor. You wouldn't have done that when you were running, you, no. you know, you're running, you're getting, you're, you're doing specific jobs. The assistant editors would get the footage, log all the stuff and get it yeah. ready for the editor. Um, yeah, that's it. And then at what point does the editor come in? Do you then, have you got a deadline that you're like, they need to be in the edit suite by two o'clock Friday and it's you yeah. know, Thursday morning and you're just starting? It's normally that day. So that's wow. why I'd be like at, at Merd Street picking up those beta SPs and trying to get as many rooms available because you sometimes would have like four beta SP tapes that you'd have to log. So you have to get four different edit suites and be quickly logging them and then log one tape, go to the next room, log a next tape, go what to the next room. What about if it's a busy day and you can't get That's up? why you got to get up early. <laughs> yeah, love that. that. And, then, and then you'd be trying to find out who else has got rushes to load that, that morning. Yeah. So you 
and and you know I was assisting quite a busy editor so and he's um, a very very talented um, editor in our industry and is still today so he's you know he he was cutting uh, for Jonathan Glazer and and um, Chris Palmer, and they would shoot a lot. Nice. Um, so, did you, you know, say? Oh, I know. I've, I know. Yeah. You know, yeah. Well, John, John sort of helped me get the job because he was cutting with nice. uh, Paul Watts, who was the um, editor I was assisting. Mm-hmm. And so he was like, "Oh, you got to hire this girl. Like, um, she's been working with us for a year now." And um, yeah, but you know, started from the bottom again. You know, yeah. as a runner. But I think it's super important to do your you know trade i think like being a runner then um doing your assisting and then and then editing i think it's yeah i wouldn't i wouldn't change that that's that's an advice that everyone most podcasts that have been that i've been doing they're kind of it's like it's your apprenticeship and if you jump too soon and you're in an editing suite because you blagged it and all of a sudden Mm -hmm. everyone's looking you're going they don't know what they're doing that's it that's your reputation pal to the floor absolutely yeah honestly if I was to give anyone advice, I would say do your trade. Like, do you know, be a runner, be an assistant. If you want to get into editing, be a runner, be an assistant. And then you've, you are so set up for when you've got a room full of clients mm. and managing that room. And you've got the knowledge because you, you understand the lingo too. That's the mm. most important thing. You, know, you sit in on the edits as an assistant? Sometimes and sometimes not. Like, it because sometimes unfortunately with my editor he was so busy and he had so many um uh, clients and things like that so it was it was i was always prepping yeah it was a bit tricky for me um but i would learn a lot of the way i would learn was like whenever i was doing an edl which is at the end of the job we had to um you know break up the edit and send it to the post house so it would get graded so there's a, it was called an EDL. So I would learn how he would cut by what, doing the EDL. So EDL means? Uh, edit decision list. So oh. it's every single, sh- every single. <laughs> I remember that from the EDL. I was just like, oh God, EDLs. <laughs> it's every single, <laughs> it's every single shot in the edit. So I would kind of study the way he would put the, the edit together mm. because I'd have to break it down. And uh, send it to like the mill or NPC or all the post houses to get it graded. Um, This is this this is the point now where I feel like I'm in the you know it's like that with with magicians and you're in the inner circle and you're just about to open the door. So it's like, (laughs) well, I I just couldn't. We had a chat offline and I you know I when I first started uni I thought I wanted to be an editor and I tried it for a couple of years and I just I just couldn't. It just didn't it just didn't click. So yeah, what is how how do you like, how do you know that it's a good edit? How, how do you know if you're going down the right road? Is it about timings? Like, say on a, I guess every job has its own different style. Yep. Commercials, you know, music videos and, and, and dramas. What are the, how do you know when it's good? Where do you, or do you just, is it just instinct and, and practice now? I think it's a, it's, Primarily, it's always about feeling and instinct, definitely. And also, when you're, you, you sort of feel when something isn't right or it doesn't feel like whether, you know, when you select a take and you cut it, it, it it's more of a feeling with editing. That's, that's the only 
think that's the way I work. If, if it doesn't feel right or there's something jarring, mm. um, then I'll have to change it and I have to tweak it. And sometimes it could be a sound thing as well. Um, but it, it, for me personally, it's all about instinct. And, and also, you know, you feel when something's off. Mm. Like, you know, when, you know, when you're watching a film, like the other day I was watching a film on Netflix and I was watching it going, God, this editing is shocking. Like, yeah. you, it, it throws you off because it takes you out of your... It, you notice it. Of, yeah, you notice it's it. It's when you notice it, then all of a sudden it's like, I say, because, and I don't know if you do the same, but <clears throat> as soon as I start noticing things, and it might yeah. not be from an editing point of view, but it might be like the glass was in a right hand, the thing, you know, once I start yeah. AD in a program, all of a sudden yeah. I've lost all interest in that program. I'm like to my wife, I'm like, hold on, just stop. And I rewind it. I'm like, look at a glass. Yeah. Okay. Right. Stop. And it kind of just throws the whole show out. And I'm like, totally. it's just, it, then I can't, yeah. it's not, that I don't, I just don't trust it anymore. Weirdly. Yeah, that's it. And I think that's the thing. It's all, it's like a magic show, like editing. Mm. It's like, you basically need to be as completely invisible as possible. And I mean, there's some like editing where you have to, it's all about the editing. It's all like that fast kind of pace editing, like sort of like let's go to Rec Room for a Dream where mm. it's that hip hop sequence that they do with, um, you know, the drugs and stuff. Mm -hmm. And, and um, th there's a, they want you to notice the edits. Yeah. The editor, the edit is so slick. <laughs> whereas, whereas, you know, with uh, dramas or dialogue, you want it just to be seamless. You don't want to, you don't want to be, questioning the edit you yeah. just want to be watching the story and that's why i think like good um editing is just like great storytelling where you're just completely lost it could even be bad continuity but if you're immersed in the story it doesn't matter doesn't matter you know what i mean it doesn't yeah. matter it's all about storytelling um and like that, my that's, wife even did it to me the other day we were watching the program yeah. she was like oh that woman's jacket's changed i was like i had no idea I just, I had lost, I just yeah. didn't even, I, I was so immersed in the story. I was like, that's it. About the jacket. That's it. It's all about good storytelling. And that goes for like with directing and everything. Like if, without the story, you really have nothing. Like and that's why when you're captivated with like good um, ideas and good storytelling, you're just immersed in it. You just, you don't think about anything else. You don't care about the lighting. You don't care about anything else. It's just all about the story. And how do you, so... What's your predominant, like, where do you predominantly sit? Are you in dramas, TV, film, commercials, or do you just do the <clears> whole lot? Because I don't want to start, I'd, I'd, I'd like to kind of get your, your passion, your knowledge for that, that, yep. that format. So I originally thought I would go straight into feature films mm -hmm. at an early age. Um, but then when I got to London, I just fell into commercials, like I said, with, you know, joining Academy Films. Yeah. So I was immersed in, I've been immersed in commercials now for, from, yeah, it's been 16 years living in London. So I've been immersed in commercials, but I have a strong passion for films. So I started off cutting commercials and music video. Actually, I started cutting music promos um, with a director called Oliver Murray. That's where it really started for me. Yay. Then, yay. Episode three yeah. of the film. Oh, <laughs> and we, and, yeah, I mean, I remember when his showreel uh, landed on my desk and my, and I think, yeah, I just become an editor at the quarry and he had cut, uh, he had uh, shot uh, a horrors promo and I was obsessed with the horrors 
And I, I was like, oh my God, I got to work with this guy. And the first job I ever did with Ollie was uh, the Vaccines music promo, which was amazing. It was called Tiger Blood. It was the best. It was all like mixed uh, uh, media. So it was like shot on Super 8, shot on uh, 16 mil, shot on digital formats. It was just, it was just like a collage of like great mediums that I could cut with. So yeah. I started off doing music promos and then I started, I mean, that's how I built my reel. That's the only way to build your reel because music promos, there's not a lot of budget. Mm. Um, so there's not a lot of money. So there's a lot of like hungry directors making um, music videos. So I got the opportunity of uh, cutting um, music promos and then short films with some directors. And then I moved into commercials when like when you're sort of, you know, when you move up, you go straight into commercials. Mm. Uh, th that was my route. And then... And then Ollie and I got the opportunity to work on a feature documentary together, which was amazing. Which and one, Ronnie's or? Uh, the Quiet One. Nice. nice. Yeah. Once a yeah. month, didn't it? It's done yeah, really it, well. It, it's, yeah, it's done. Yeah, we uh, it got into Tribeca Film Festival yeah. last year, yeah. um, which was amazing. Like, because Ollie and I were, you know, we were cutting that for a year. We had no film experience whatsoever in terms of like we had done short films so the, the longest film we've ever cut was three minutes long wow um, and and that's what you know coming we we both grew together like mm. you know cutting music promos cutting short films and then our feature film so i feel i feel like we had the sort of foundation we're ready for it mm. but we're also like cutting a 90 minute music documentary about one of the most you know, successful bands in the world and still is really. Yeah, of all um, time. Yeah. yeah. So it was. How does that differ then? Do, do you still have your three part? You know, is it, is it still, do you, yeah. do you have, do you, you know, is there, are there rules to it? Are there not? Do you just do whatever you want? How does it work? Uh, there is a structure. We had to work out the three act structure of mm -hmm. Bill Wyman's life and how to tell it because he's 80, he's in his 80s. So there was a lot to cover and mm. he was a um he was born in the blitz uh, he was a blitz baby yeah. so you know we covered so much ground but we had to kind of miss out on certain things because you, you know it would have been like hours long but mm. we just were very strict on how with our three-part you know uh act structure we had to be because you know you could go here there and everywhere especially with the rolling stones there's so much to cover yeah. and and his life as well um so we, we sort of had to work out early on what the end result was of the film, like what the resolution was. So we knew what we were working towards. Mm. Um, and that was very tricky. And with music documentaries, you can kind of, I mean, yeah, documentaries overall are very, very difficult to cut because it's all, you know, you can take, you can skin it so many different ways. Yeah. Yeah, there's so many different ways you can tell a story with a documentary. Um, I guess in a commercial, you've got your storyboards, you've got your takes, you know, you, yeah. it's a 30, it's a 60, you know, you, it, it's kind of, does, does that help find a rhythm and a timing or, or is it just more paint by numbers now that, you, you know, how does it work in then for the commercials? Well, with, uh, with commercials, it's, it's a lot. Um, I mean, there's a structure to it because there's a script. 
Yeah. yeah, like you said, there's a script, there's a storyboard, and obviously you can go off piece and be really creative with it and 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 recut it in a different way and show the, your clients, oh, look, this is a different way of cutting it. But mm. essentially, it's the same story and it's got it's been scripted, whereas with a documentary, you know, you're, you're making it up as you go along. You're, you're, you're figuring it out yeah. and you're piecing the story together. You're like, oh, okay, that could be our through line. Or maybe something that he said kind of takes you down another rabbit hole, you know, and you're just sort of like weaving in and out. And wow. some days are great. You're like, this is great. We're on the right path. And then other days you're like, oh, I found this bit of dialogue. Maybe we can go down this, this route. And how can we get back to this route? And it's, you're weaving in and out all the time and, and trying to figure out what the story is. But with commercials, not to say that it's it's super easy, but it's there is a there's a structure because mm. you're trying to sell something, yeah. and and there's always an uh, uh, you know an ending to it. Yeah, and um, then music promos, it's a starting ground. Like it sounds like it was even for crew as well. You know, promos are where, as a runner, you can become a second. As a second, you become a first. Is it a more creative environment for, a, for an editor? You give them more free reign because you're like, look, I've just come up. I know this is how you wanted it, but look, I've just done this and look how much yeah. better it is and that kind of stuff. Is it, an, is it more creative or do I just think it is? Uh, it, what, in commercials or? Uh, no, for music videos. So is oh, music, music videos, videos a more music? creative chance for you to kind of really get your teeth into something that's your style? Absolutely. Music promos is the best way to be creative as an editor because again it's something where there's no there is a script of some sort but there's like so many different ways you can cut it Hmm. and if you've got the footage at your fingertips where you've got different cutaways that you can kind of mix in and with different scenes you can really be super creative music promos i feel like music videos is where your creativity kind of blossoms really it's 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 you directors are open for you to be creative with the the with the the footage um because you can cut it in so many different ways there's Mm. so many like lovely kind of um moments that you can do with music uh, promos and it it can't it it helps you be creative um in commercials too and other um with music documentaries and Mm. features and things like that yeah it, music music promos are so much fun. They're a lot of hard work. Yeah. They're a lot of hard work. For not a lot of money. Not a lot of money, but the creative, if you want to be creative as an editor, that's the best way to start. Nice. Honestly, yeah, it's really great. Um, and it, a large portion of the people that listen to this, they're going to be kind of film students and media students that are going to be like, I want to be a, oh, you know, I want to be a director. For yeah. you as an editor, what's that relationship like before the edit or during the edit, like what is it that the, the great directors can do to, to make not your life easy, but just to help the process flow smoother? I think with uh, the director editor relationship, it's all for me from, from the experience I've had being an editor, it's all about the trust. Mm. If your director trusts you creatively and you have a, a shorthand, um, with one another, I think that's where the magic really happens. It's like you'll be, you're able to be creative and they're able to be let, allow you to be creative as an editor and vice versa. It's all about trust with both people. Um, that's the biggest thing. And when you find a director 
that trust your um, knowledge and creativity and the way that you put things together, that is like seriously half the battle mm. of anything. It's, it's, it allows you to, to think more clearly and to have great ideas and to be confident with your ideas. Um, but I think that for, for me personally is I try to strive to work with people that um, trust me and trust my creativity and allow me to try different ideas. And then sometimes I work and sometimes I don't. But what's really great is when the director and you both see the same vision, mm. that's, that's um, like, it's, it's magic. It's like, you never want to leave that edit suite. Nice. You never want to leave it. You know, it's like, it's a, it's like really nice, powerful moments. And Ollie and I had that a lot on um, the quiet one and a film that a short film that we did before the quiet one, which was called treasure, which did very well for both of us. Um, it was just a fun piece because we, got to be very creative. There was no money behind it. It was guerrilla style uh, filmmaking and we just did what we wanted to do. And it, it turned out to be a really successful little short film that we did together. Amazing. Where can yeah, we see it? Is it, is it? It's, um, it's around, it's on Vimeo. It's, it's called Treasure. It's a three minute um, little documentary on this guy called Tom Clark, who's a He's got a, uh, a love for metal detecting and nice. we just made a quirky little uh, film based on him and it, it, was, it was such a sweet film. It's, it's really fun. Yeah. Nice. I'll check yeah. it out. Yeah. <laughs> um, we're kind of getting close to nearly the 40, 40-ish minute mark. So yeah. I, kind of at this point, I like to start getting the, the, the kind of advice to yourself questioning. Is there, is there a point... Because it, it, you know, the the one the question that I haven't asked, which I normally do, is a lightning bolt. But it seems like from a very young age, you knew what you wanted to do, and it became very clear to you that editing was 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 it. Do you have, or what would be your advice to that younger self, and when would it be? As soon as you've got that moment where you realise what you want to do in your life, whether it, whatever it is, but with if if I'm talking to like editors. If you have that moment where you're like, oh my God, like I, this is what I want to do with my life, that just hold on to it and just go for it and, and, and try to have the confidence because, and, and not to be intimidated by the people around you because if you're creative and if you've got good ideas, it, it's going gonna, it's gonna to happen for you. You know what I mean? Mm. So I, I just feel like never have that self doubt and, and always like, I don't know. I, Did for, you have the self doubt? You seem like a very confident person. You know, you left home, you came to London, you knew what you're going to do. Was yeah. confidence a thing that you lacked or even being think, confident, there were still other elements that you needed to, to improve on. I, I have always been like, my parents have always encouraged me and stuff like that. So I've always had this kind of, um, never had any self-doubt but when I moved to London and you move into the industry you sort of like get overwhelmed by the people around you and the mm. skills and and how good they are so you sort of like go okay I know my position I know that I have to uh I have to I have to really work hard to get to a certain level mm. um and so there was always like in the back of my mind like know your place and and learn your skills yeah before you you know um 
before you become whoever, whatever you want to be in the, in, in this industry. But so I, I did have a little bit of like a shock when I got here. Cause I was like, <laughs> I was like, Oh my God, there's so many talented people that work <laughs> in this industry. Like I was just overwhelmed. But, um, so there was always like a little bit of self doubt, like always in the background, which I think is, is healthy because you're always like, okay, okay, what can I do to improve? How can I be a better editor? How mm. could I, you know, so watching films and learning the craft and being immersed in it is what really helped me get to where I'm at right now in my life. Um, every step of that way, even when you think it, it didn't, it, it really did help me. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, and for the future, the future editors, obviously, you know, they can Google and they'll buy in the blink of an eye the book, but yeah. are there like, are there, is there a book or a film or something that is your go-to to just, give you your faith back. Like it sounded like Requiem for a Dream was, was oh. a film that you were actually lyrical about. Is there something else that you'd be like, if you want to be an editor, you have to watch this film or read that book or watch this promo? Oh, wow. Oh, that's interesting. I know. I've only um, just, it's not a no, question no, no, that I, I had like, there. I like, Sorry. I like that. No. Um, yeah, that's interesting. I mean, uh, I'm, I'm into a lot of dark films like, I love a lot of Gaspar Noe's films, like uh, Enter the Void is something that... Um, okay, I don't know. Nice. Uh, he's, he's great. He's okay. really good. Yeah, yeah, check him out. Yeah. Um, but I think it's important as an editor to watch as many... Because um, it's, it's very easy to just fall into the whole uh, American films and that uh, there are great American films, but there's also a, like a huge amount of um, incredible foreign films that um, would blow your mind, like yeah. that you just and you learn so many different like cool techniques. Um, so I think as in terms of like specific films, I won't name any, but like in terms of uh, for an editor, I think the more films that you watch that are very diverse in 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 the genre and stuff, I think you'll learn a hell of a lot nice. um, and and be able to kind of uh, use that in your own like kind of creativity and stuff. Um, but Donnie Darko is a great film. Yeah, I love <laughs> Donnie Darko. Yeah, yeah, I love that film. Oh, nice. <laughs> oh, cool. So um, look, you know, firstly, thank you for all your time and thanks oh, for kind welcome. of jumping on. Um, have you got any people or projects or, you know, is there a mentor you want to shout out or a project or a company or something that you want to just give a big shout out to? Shout out to the company I work for. Which yeah. Is work, yeah. For work, work editorial uh, in London. Yeah. Uh, they're going through a bit of a tricky time now because of the coronavirus. But yep. um, we're, we're in New York, London and LA. And nice. we've got a really good team of editors there. Yeah. Really, really good team of editors. I'll put a and, link in the bio. I'll put yeah, the, the website in the bio. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be awesome. Yeah. Nice. yeah. They're a really good company. Uh, very, very talented uh, editors that keep me on my toes all the time. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Trying to strive well, to get to their level. <laughs> and, and, and that's the thing. It's like, if you've got that person up there, that's keeping you on your toes, it can only make yeah. you a better person. Absolutely. Yeah. We have some really good people that work there. Very, very talented people. Amazing. And we've just touched base on the COVID-19. What I'll probably do is save this for the next episode. Sure um, so we'll leave it here. I'll say thank you very much. Thank you for your time. Um, you. Ladies and gents that have been listening, I hope you had a, an amazing time. If you've got 
a family member, a friend, or you know of someone that wants to get into post-production and wants to be an editor, they've got to listen to this because it's it gives them that it gives them someone else's path to their dreams. So listen to it, subscribe, share, and until we meet again, that's a wrap. Thank you. Please. So that was a chat with the king or queen in the game. I give it a shout at the end so you all know the name. It's the Film Gods Podcast. The what? The Film God Podcast.